0: We don't want finance sitting in the realm of process. We want finance actually helping the business make better decisions.
1: That's Ed Ponegay, a PwC partner and New York consulting leader. I'm Heather Horn, and Ed's joining me for the fourth episode in our new summer podcast series, What's Next?, a series that explores the question on all of our minds. How do we emerge from this crisis stronger than before? Ed's going to talk to us about his three-step framework for how to transform the finance function into an efficient value-add part of the organization. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation about a topic that I think was on everyone's minds even before COVID-19, and if anything... I. I think the recent experience people have been having working from home and everything else just accelerated a bit. But before we jump into sort of the meat of today's discussion, can you just give quick background on you and sort of what you do when you're working with clients?
0: Sure. I run our, our finance transformation group at the New York office. We help CFOs pretty much with whatever they're thinking about, but me specifically, I focus on the strategy of the finance organization and how to actually execute on that strategy. So anything from a people, process, technology, lenses. You
1: know, as we think about finance transformation, I know it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So I think just to level set, when you say finance transformation, what are you talking about?
0: When I think about finance transformation, I actually think of something that's just an ongoing journey that all finance organizations have been going through since the dawn of a finance organization. Since I've been in the business, every finance organization's been trying to improve itself from an efficiency and effectiveness perspective, trying to get to you know what everyone thinks is the panacea, which is being an organization that provides insight and is is a great customer to the business, and that can come in different dimensions from the people, process, and technology lenses.
1: I like the way you set that up because I think it's not what you're saying, it's not something like today, okay, I'm gonna transform. But instead, it's something that you've probably been doing incrementally. And, you know, maybe right now people want to do bigger things, maybe not. But it's not something that's, you know, you were static and now you're not. And I guess on that note, what have you really seen is the impact of COVID-19 in terms of how companies are thinking about change in their organization?
0: Well, it's interesting. It has accelerated the concept of change. So. We all were going through some sort of change if it was, you know, big and organized or small and just kind of a hobby. But I think with this situation, now that we've come over the, you know, the first couple months of, I would call the adjustment period of trying to adjust our lives and mm-hmm. figure out how to actually operate in this new world, CFOs and controllers are really taking, starting to say, well, wait a second. We can work differently. We, we probably should accelerate actually some of the stuff that we were working on, especially from the, I would call the small technology lens in the way of like uh, automating a lot of the redundant tasks. And what, what's really been interesting in, in and around that is actually seeing some of the aha moments, actually. Like when we started this journey, we were on the cusp of a, a quarter close and most companies were a little stressed out on how that was actually going to happen. And what they actually found was that it was actually an easier close than most because they were working virtually and people were more focused. There was a lot of, a lot of interesting learnings through that exercise.
1: All right. Well, I think we're going to get into a few of those. But let me go back to something you started to say, which is the goal. And what are you trying to accomplish when you are transforming your finance
0: function? The ultimate goal hasn't changed much over the years, to be honest with you. It's to be the most efficient and effective organization, which you know, efficient is cost-effective, right? While actually being a accretive a business partner to the business. So actually being at the seat of the table while the business is making business decisions and bringing that finance lens to those decisions and helping with things like you know, are we doing the right pricing? Are we making the right you know M and A and transaction uh, activities within the, within the business? You know, are we putting things in the right place from a financial perspective and a tax perspective? So that's the type of stuff that finance is always um, striving to be, but it uh, candidly much of finance is stuck in the mundane, which is the you know the day to day process that isn't very value add.
1: Yeah, I think it's that case of everyone feels like just getting through their to do list takes all their time. So they don't have time for sort of that next step of thinking bigger. And maybe on that point, how do you distinguish between a company that is transforming and, and doing that well? And one that is kind of more stuck in the mundane or is quote transforming, but not really accomplishing um, their goals.
0: I think of it through two different lenses. One is actually, well, how are you managing it? So when we started, you know, I talked about it. It's an, it's an ongoing journey the leading companies I'm working with actually know kind of their roadmap to get there. Um, you know, what are the pieces and parts, what are the interdependencies of how to get there and what does it mean to get somewhere? You'll never get to the end of it, but you're, you want to try to put a goal out there that's usually two to three years down the road. That's usually a leading company. And then there's the leading company of, you know, what do they look and feel like not just from what they're doing, but how they're actually operating and that actually is having a robust FP&A organization that's actually has a seat at the table that's being listened to that can provide real-time analytics along with that finance lens when you're making business decisions.
1: So I know that you have a framework that you use and, and help companies think through the transformation, which is your modern finance agenda with three parts yeah. people, process, and performance. And I'd like to go into each of those. But before we start that. If I'm listening to this and say I'm a controller and it's like, yeah, you know, I know we need to do more, you know, there's three places. Where do you really think someone
0: should start? Well, you can start with all of them in a holistic framework, right? And think about how all those fit together. That's one. But to be honest with you, so much of today, you'll hear if you read, you know, our white papers or others' white papers or listen to things like this, you probably spend a lot of time listening about the technology lens small and big because so much has happened there but actually the funny part is that's not where to start it's really the people the people side of the agenda is actually what i think is the biggest message that people miss because if you don't have the people upskilling themselves into that dimension of what's out there from a technology perspective they won't know how to transform so even a lot of stuff you'll hear me say today or you read that we've written before you got to take it from the people lens first. And that's not always what it sounds like, but it's really where you should start.
1: All right. So then let's start there. So (laughs) from the people perspective, if I'm thinking about my team and thinking Mm -hmm. about how I'm going to take them to the next level, what are some of the key points that
0: I should be considering? The first thing is just basic understanding of what's out there. You know, a lot of the clients that are a little bit further behind just don't even understand all the new technology that's been made available to the typical finance uh, professional and what kind of impact they can make. So when I I say just basic upskilling, it's getting a portion or or all of your uh, team somewhat knowledgeable of what's out there, how to use it, where it could be used most effectively. And then maybe there's a smaller population of people that you actually train on the tool. The tools are so powerful. If If you start there, there's so much efficiency that you can gain by leveraging them.
1: So then, Ed, if I'm thinking about my people and my team, what else outside of
0: technology should I be thinking about? So they should also be thinking about not just the tools, but the other operating models or pools of resources that are available to. So when I think about transforming the finance function, we used to always sprint to outsourcing or shared services, and it was really a low-cost play. Today, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not the same play, um, there's, and, it, and it can take you two different paths. One path is you may want to use an outsourcer because they can automate you quicker. They may already have all the skills and you, you may not want to build that capability or as much of the as you need to move fast. So there's an option there. But then there's the other option, which is actually building that capability and gaining those cost efficiencies yourself. Because usually when you outsource something, they're going to make it very efficient, but they're going to capture a lot of those efficiencies. Whereas if you create those efficiencies, you get to capture all of it yourself. Uh, so there's there's skills out there like that. The other thing is we're seeing a trend towards managed services from a people perspective. So there's a lot of specialty skills within accounting, if you think about it. You know, there's stat accounting, there's tax accounting, there's government accounting and stuff like that. There's, you know, tax around duty drawbacks. Those skills aren't readily available. And we're seeing those going to an outsourced model from a talent perspective. Not only do you need to educate yourself around the tools that are out there, but also the talent pools that are out there that might be more efficient and may get you quicker from point A to point B by leveraging them than trying to do it by yourself.
1: So I was an audit partner before I was doing thought leadership and I've seen many clients go through various transformations and it seems like they always started with let's do skills assessment of our people and there's tests and interviews and all different types of things. And I think with this goal of saying, okay, do I have the right people? think people might be looking at their workforce and saying, I don't think I have the right people because they don't know these new tools and they don't have these special skills. So what do you say to someone who's who's thinking that?
0: What's interesting, uh, and and we're a great example, I'll get into ourselves, PwC is, but a lot of the people you have today have the basic blocking and tackling what you need. A lot of clients think, oh, I got to go hire all these data scientists. Well, you may have to hire a data scientist or two, but you probably have some tools in your tool chest that are already under your umbrella that you can retool or just upskill. And the great thing is they already know the company, right? So they have that basis that you don't have to teach. They already have the accounting and finance knowledge. They know the systems and the technology. And they're just another thread that you need to upskill them. And the example I was going to use is actually us as PwC. That's what our controller did. He went to his team and said, hey, I'm going on this journey for the next couple of years. If you want to take yourself from here and make yourself this person, you're going to come on the journey with me and I'm going to invest as much money as I can in you to to make you that person. And that's a great story because he he brought it along probably, you know, 75% of the people. And now they've got skills that candidly we use internally as a best practice. There is lots of opportunity for the finance professional and for leadership to train those professionals in some other things, not just go out and find all kinds of new people.
1: Yeah, I guess it goes back to your point that you've made briefly, which is that if you do outsource, and I, I would guess it's the same with managed services, you are gaining efficiency, but then you're losing all that knowledge that you could be building within your organization.
0: Yeah. And that's why it's important to think about it in the multi-dimensional, like we were talking about, not just through one lens, because there's the answer is there's probably a right cocktail of all those pieces and parts. There's just not one right answer.
1: Well, and I guess it goes back to the point you made to begin with, that you need to know where you're trying to go.
0: That's right. To know where you're trying to go, you got to You got to lay out what the end state is. And you got to make some strategic decisions.
1: All right. So then I know your framework has a few parts. So why don't we go back to another one, which is the people in action, which would be talking about process. So how do you think about process? And again, Starting from a point of maybe there's antiquated processes or things, you know, they people just kind of bolted on, kept bolting on new things. And now they've bolted on working from home. Like, how do you think about changing your process?
0: Well, I think of it almost as getting rid of the process to a certain extent. Um, A lot of these processes are things that we've been doing for years and years and years. And when we think about process improvement. We think of it just around the edges on how just to improve the process. But I think as you think about all the tools that are out there from a machine learning AI perspective, and if you really look at the process end to end with all the different tool sets, not just ERP, not just small technology, but the whole suite that's available to you. The question really is, is how, how do I eliminate the process as much as possible? The tools that are out there now are pretty sophisticated, and we've seen seamless purchase to pay or order to cash concepts that are being implemented, uh, seamless closes being implemented. So I mean if you put the right thought and investment into it, that that's how I think of it. You know, candidly, yeah, you know, when we get further down the road here, there's not going to be too many transaction processing type activities within the future of finance. That's going to go away. It's going to be more around the technical piece and the analytical piece.
1: So you almost pained me when you said no process. I I mentioned I was an audit partner. And so as soon as no process, I think no controls. Um, And I don't think you meant no controls. So how do you fit controls into this no process environment?
0: Well, you have an automated process with automated controls. Okay.
1: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel better already.
0: There you go. I mean, even in today's world where we're quarter of the way there from a technology perspective there's so much you can do from an automation of control perspective or using analytics to build controls within it instead of the somebody check a signature that somebody signed something type thing or somebody reviewed something um you know those are the days of the past right so yeah there's there's lots of opportunity on the control side too
1: yeah so you're talking about better controls not no controls um so then Ed, on that point though, and, and going back more seriously to what you were saying, um, you know, you talked about that you can really, you know, change things and the fact that you saw people in the past quarter because you had to do the things differently, that people did change their process and actually it was more efficient and, and they found all these benefits. And so if someone is going to take advantage of the current environment, and, and we've seen this on the business side, right? Like where companies have new products and everything else that maybe would have taken a year. This is also opportunity for the finance people. So how can they keep building on that? Okay, this is a great opportunity for change. And let's again focus from a process perspective.
0: Well, I think one thing we learned is sometimes, you know, if you think about in corporate America, we get caught up in the mundane, especially as a finance or an accounting professional. You know, there's a saying, you know, don't let perfection get in the in the way of you know getting it right what a lot of my clients found was they didn't get um, stuck in the mundane of preciseness and or perfection. And so it got, they got through the process a lot quicker. So one that tells you is probably the process could have been more efficient just as it was, right? But then also leveraging not only this virtual world using, showing you that you can use 24 hour time concepts around the world, you can get a lot more done. So, but that doesn't mean that that's the right answer. It's just processing over 24 hours. And so that's, you know, you get something done quicker. Now people are saying, okay, well, that was easy. I've actually gained some time. I actually have some more time to actually think about transformation and how to make things better. And that's always the concept is how do you build that um, additional time in your own team to continue to improve? Not just, you know, always taking the cost out, but also leveraging it to, to find other opportunities.
1: Thinking about process and I something that historically finance teams have really excelled even you know controls back to my topic um, process improvements etc so how do you see them fitting into the broader organization
0: well the great thing about finance is because of the size and the complexity of finance we were typically the first ones to do things like shared services things like rpa when it first came out machine learning so most of our clients finance is actually at the head and of everybody else in all of the new you know buzzwords that we use and you know uh, uh, opportunities to improve, so what i 've seen candidly is they are helping the other back office functions improve also so you know how do you how do you move to a better shared service model? how do you leverage outsourcers how do you use these new technologies so the great thing I see with the with a lot of my clients who have been proactive around finance transformation is. They've had some of those leaders that have led those transformation efforts are now getting bigger and better roles outside of finance and actually helping the organization transform.
1: Then that leads me actually to the other leg of your stool that we talked about, which would be, we talked about people, process, but now performance. And, you know, it's another place I think finance can be a leader. So how does performance fit into this conversation?
0: That's the gist of all of it, right? It's actually getting the information to the internal customers. And so actually understanding, A, where is the data? How is the data organized? How to actually make the data better so that it can actually create real-time information and actually get you eventually to predictive analytics. We don't want finance sitting in the realm of process. We want finance actually helping the business make better decisions and the reality of it is the performance is is actually the most important leg of that stool when you think about the end state. So that's how we think of it.
1: What would be some examples of if someone is at that point where you know they focus on their people, they're making progress on process, then what are some of the types of performance items that
0: people are talking about? So just the concept of uh, real time analytics you know i've got clients where the cfo or the controller actually have their own individual dashboard and when they walk in that's what what they look at but then also finance organizations providing that exact same type of dashboard for operators within the business right it could be it could be the tax professional it could be the general manager on a plant floor or it could, you know managing the plant so you actually have personas of individuals who are getting real time analytics or The other one I think is really powerful and and it's really interesting to watch this particular space evolve, but it's actually thinking about your budgeting and forecasting, actually having true forward-thinking analytics driving that. And That doesn't mean the typical Excel spreadsheet bottoms-up build, but leveraging outside data to provide you insights and saying, this might be where the market's going and that's driving your budget. I I have one client actually the the budget's created in their shared service center. And then it's sent to the operator to say, I think we're pretty close. Tell us what we have to tweak. And it's not the operator building the budget and sending it to the center.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We had um, Amity Millheiser on last week talking about the results of the CFO, Paul Servant COVID, Mm, and she talked about the same idea of the finance team as a partner to the rest of the business. And that's exactly those examples you're giving here.
0: That's right. And that's that is that's the mantra of what finance is trying to be.
1: <laughs> so then looping, I was going to say, looping back to your first point, which is that you need to start with a goal of sort of, you know, what's two or three years down the road. That sounds like a good starting point. Then is that being a partner and and supporting the rest of
0: the business? Typically, that is in some form or fashion, the end state goal that we state. It's the minutiae underneath it and trying to figure out how to get there from system consolidation, leveraging new tools, upskilling my people. That's typically the, the pieces and parts you gotta put together to get to that goal.
1: Right. Well and again, depending where you are on this journey, I think for some people they they may be thinking, hey, you know, we're doing pretty well. And then other listeners may be thinking, wow, I have a lot to do. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up today, what would be your key takeaway for our audience?
0: Everyone's on a journey. To your point, some people are in different places in that journey. There's no wrong place to be uh, on it. There's no one who's done. You'll never be done. So don't don't worry about it. And we always talk about two to three years only because so much new technology shows up, you have to reset yourself for the new world. No matter where you feel you are in that journey, it's always good to take stock every couple of years and figure out how you want to direct your people in your organization.
1: You know, maybe on that note, one of the things we always like to wrap up our podcast with is Thinking about some silver linings from COVID-19, which some days are easier to find than others. Um, But (laughs) what have you seen in your area in in finance transformation as being a silver lining from the crisis?
0: So for me, I think it's, you know, we've learned that we can work in a different way. The the, the idea that we always have to be in the office every day, I think actually was an inhibitor of some of the transformation we did Um, and not understand that you could leverage people in disparate areas to move faster. And it's not only just for the finance professional. But um, I think it's going to create all kinds of uh, opportunities for a, a number of individuals to do things better, faster, and actually just provide more opportunities to more people. Yeah, that, that's
1: a good one. And it's funny, even your same people in disparate locations, even this podcast, we're all over the country and able to all come on and, and create a podcast together. So, And mm-hmm. then Ed, maybe just to wrap things up, we talked about business silver linings. And the other thing we always like to ask our guests is any personal silver linings, whether it's like a new hobby or just working from home or what can you share with us?
0: Yeah, as a consultant, uh, travel is part of the business. So for me, it's I have a nine and eleven year old boys, so I'm still super dad. They still like me, uh, so I've gotten to spend a lot more time with the boys and the wife, uh, and and do those dad type things that I would usually just do three days a week. Getting to do them seven days a week, so it's awesome.
1: Yep, looking into the forward into summer too. It's a good time to be home. So oh
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. All
1: right, well Ed, great insight. Really appreciate you joining me today, and um, thank you for the conversation. Thank you. Thank you to Ed for joining me today and thank you for tuning in. Join me back here next Thursday for another what's next episode for all of your other accounting and reporting questions. Check out our Tuesday podcast when each week we help you tackle your accounting issues so that you never miss an episode of any of our audio content. Subscribe to the PwC accounting podcast series, wherever you listen to your podcasts and to stay up to date on all the latest content. Let's connect on LinkedIn. For PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in.